Welcome once again to Oakwood Connect. This is Pastor Ariel along with Elder John Tromley. And we are continuing with the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're going to talk about priorities, what we ought to be seeking first. You know, it does feel a little different that we're recording. This is our first Friday after school has ended. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't have soccer to look forward to. Right. Um, but it's a bit more mellow here in the church. It's a lot less uh, noise and going things going around. Hopefully there's less less uh, bumps and ticks and stuff like that. <laughs> and raccoons, <background>. maybe. Right. Because <laughs> we're not ro- a recording in my, in my office anymore, in the pastor's office. We are recording now in Don Weaver's class because we had visitors yes. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago creaking and crawling above us. And they don't smell very good either. No, it's, it smells like the <laughs> like Detroit Zoo in there. Um, and so now, hopefully they're gone. Greg, Greg Bloom's been trying to tackle them out of the church. But anyways, we're here talking about things pertaining to that, you know, worrying. Mm. You know, we were worried that the tiles will <laughs> break through and the raccoons will fall on us. And we are now touching on the the landing plane or when Jesus uh, finishes all this discourse about do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. And finally, you want to read for us the verse that we will be uh, exploring this um, in this recording, John. If you could read for us in, in Matthew 6, chapter um, 33. Chapter, uh, Matthew 6, verse 33 says, yes. uh, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And then just to kind of wrap up the uh, chapter 2, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> Today, is, uh, we've got plenty in our plate already. But we seem to be prone to add you know, tomorrow's uh, portions into today's as well. That's for sure. Worrying about things that we are not even sure will happen, but we love to worry as if they will. <laughs> Um, so Jesus finishes with a, a, a simple, maybe unexpected appeal of seeking first two things, um, the kingdom and his righteousness. John, how, how can we apply that? What, what does that mean that Jesus is telling us to seek for his kingdom and his righteousness? Well, you know, again, he, he kind of wraps up like you're saying, you know, that he, he lets us know that we no longer have to worry, right? So we got that off the plate. No more worrying because we, we went over that the last time we, we recorded and then he says, now seek first the kingdom of God. And, and you ask, you know, how do you do that? And I ask, I think everybody asks themselves that, mm-hmm. right? How do, so how do I do that? And for me, the most logical place to start is you have to know what the kingdom of God is. Yeah. And the only place that I can think of, right, you know, just off the top of my head would be, well, what is the law of God? Because as we've talked about before, the law of God is is His character, mm-hmm. and if He is the if He is the King of of this kingdom, then we should probably know who He is. So, I think what we should do right away is we should go to the law of God, which is Exodus twenty. And you know, this is where <clears throat> in Christianity you bring up the law. I, I guess not just in Christianity. I guess everywhere you bring up the law, and people get nervous. And they don't, they don't like the law, right? Uh, but as you look at the law, really ask yourself, uh, uh, the law of God, what is it that I'm against exactly? What is it that I don't like about it? 
Um, again, we have right here the very definition of the character of God. Because I always have to ask the question, if the, if the law has been done away with, we've heard that, that the law has been done away with, and then yet Jesus tells you to seek the kingdom of God, well, then how do you go about doing that? Mm-hmm. And that's where we get uh, all these denominations, I believe. Because if you don't go back to the law, well, then you can pretty much take the rest of it and decipher whatever you want out mm. of it. You know, the biggest one of the biggest things that people have against Christianity is because there's so many denominations or... Uh, you can interpret it for you, and it worked for you. But I interpret it this way, and you know, and for me, that that's always been a problem for me. Because if you can interpret it any way you want, then no wonder people don't think there's truth here. People don't like that word either, by the way, the word truth. But if you're gonna follow something, this has always been my thing, anyway. If you're going to follow something, it better be true. You you, you mentioning this, and I'm thinking about Jesus contrasting. The, between the worrying and the seeking mm-hmm. and wh- why are we worrying because we want certainty right we want something that is an absolute surety and so we pursue it in things that are temporal mm-hmm. that's the problem and jesus is like you'll never find that right but you will find absolute a steadiness and, and an unmovable foundation in my kingdom which would make complete sense that with his kingdom would come an unchangeable, trustworthy law. Right. Something that is absolute, something that is truth and beautiful. Um, you may doubt it, but examine it. Right. You know, a exactly. lot of us reject something without even trying it out. Um, I, I, for once, you know, love to try new foods. I would never say no to someone. Of course, you know, I'm not going to try deep fried cockroaches. <laughs> but, you know, things that are of other ethnic um, backgrounds, other countries, I love to taste new things. Um, but when it comes to this idea of the law of God, maybe people have been given something that is presented as the the, the law of God, but it, they never really spend time thinking about right. what it is that you're rejecting. Exactly. You know, there's a there's a uh, a band in my past life, and they have a song, and I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's an it's an anti-religious song, and and he says uh, those who those who say they they know the truth they lie and so again so then the next sentence is well if, if they know the truth if they say they know the truth and they lie well that possible that can't possibly be true either because what you're saying is yeah you you have the truth because you don't believe the truth well that's a lie too yeah, everything becomes a lie and i think that's that's the conundrum that humanity gets itself into right and that's where there's worrying at the foundation of our pursuit of anything and everything except God's kingdom. You know, at some point you have to be consistent. Yes. And 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 all these theories that are out there, they're not consistent. No. Unless there is a truth. And and that's what we're looking at right now. And you say, you know, the law. <clears throat> and Excuse me. what would I have against the law? Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think, you know, I'm I may be wrong in this, but I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a secular individual maybe someone that is antagonistic to religion. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying these people are evil. Maybe right. the reason that they are antagonistic is what you've been saying, is, you know, from when the first podcast we've recorded, that most people reject Christianity for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that doesn't justify the rejection exactly. of Christianity. Right. And I'm thinking if I were to say, I have a problem with religion, and someone would introduce me to the law of God, what part of the law would I have a problem with? And I'm trying to think, based on what I've read from secular individuals, people that are openly antagonistic with religion, 
I don't think that they will have anything, any problem with the law with you shall not steal. Right. They will have no problem with the law with don't um, eh, murder. Mm -hmm. Some may have a problem with, you know, don't commit adultery. Right. (laughs) Um, But even then. But for the most part. People like the idea of adultery as long as it's not on them. But, you know, even that is, for me, a phenomenon in that secular individuals, even secular individuals that may not have a biblical worldview, will fight for the right of marriage. Right. You know, I, I want to be able to get married, but marriage is not a, a scientific, um, secular... Where, where do you get that from? Because if, if the, the procreation of the human race is supposed to be at the goal and us producing offsprings that will continue the, the human race, you know, for eons to come, then we ought to be producing babies like rabbits. Mm-hmm. You know, with all the diseases and wars, it's like, you know, we lost 30,000 people in this part of the world. Let's have babies. Right. So let me have multiple partners. And why, why this idea of monogamy? Mm-hmm. That, that kind of inhibits the, the procreation of humanity. There's that consistency that I'm talking about. Exactly. So some humans, and I'm thinking secularly speaking, would have a problem with maybe maybe that part of the law, but some embrace it for mm-hmm. whatever reasons, right? Like you right. said, it's an inconsistent logic. But the real part where I believe they will have an issue is um, you shall have no other gods. The first four. Exactly. Yeah. That's the issue. Right. That's the problem. Um, there was a sermon that the Lord gave me several months ago in that, you know, we don't have a problem really with the law. We have a problem with the lawgiver. Mm-hmm. That's the issue that we have with. And I believe that the reason we have a problem with the lawgiver is because we are still under the power of the adversary. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says that humanity exchanged the truth about God for the lie about mm-hmm. God. And that takes us all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Mm-hmm. If you have a problem with the law of God, it's not because you don't like the law. It's because you don't like God who gave it. You don't, you don't understand him. You don't trust him. You are not sure beyond even if he were to exist. Some people don't want him to exist right. because of the way that God has been portrayed by all of these factions of Christianity, all of these Christians claiming to say, this is what God is like. That is what God is like. Um, he loves you so much. He sent his son to save you from everlasting hell mm-hmm. where he will torture you for all Forever eternity if you, don't, if you don't love him and accept his son. Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of him? Right. So people will hear that and they're like, it's not consistent. Exactly. <laughs> if he is a God of love, and if I don't accept his son and I don't play by his rules, then he will roast me and torture me for all eternity to reveal how righteous and holy he is. Mm-hmm. That is dissonance. And, and that is not what we find in the word of God. Right. It, Genesis chapter three, again, Genesis chapter two, actually, when God said, the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God did not say the day that you choose to disobey me, I will torture you for all eternity. You're gone. That's it. You yeah. made your decision. Right. God, God was explaining that if the, if you do this, you will experience separation from me. You are choosing to separate yourself from the life giver. And the outcome of separating yourself is no longer being alive. So from the very beginning, we, we have this uh, work of seeking the kingdom is to seek the king, to seek his mm-hmm. law. Right. To seek to understand who he is. Because it's not about falling in love with the law. It's about falling in love with God. Right. Jesus said it best, right? In John 14, 15. If you love me, you will love my law too so much that you will love to keep it. Amen. So this the seeking of the kingdom, I loved how the Lord is giving you this, this perspective, John, is not seeking some ethereal, oh, I can't wait for Jesus to come. That kingdom can be experienced now by the embracing and asking God for the experience of the new covenant. 
which is that he would write his laws in our hearts right. and minds. You know, as you, as I hear you talking, and I think of somebody who who is uh, you know he's somebody who's listening to us. They've never read the law, or you know they still have that that negative feeling towards it. You know, and and we're saying that you love the the the, uh, the lawgiver. Mm. That word alone, that word love, you know, we we can't understand what that even is until he created it in the first place. Mm. He is, that is what he says he is. God is love. He claims that that's who he is. Mm. So when I see the world and, you know, we're in this age of enlightenment again, it seems, and we're going to take care of it, right? We're going to be the loving ones. And again, I ask, well, if there's no there's no moral standard, then why? Number one, what's the point? You're losing. You're, you know, you're just going to lose. But my, my, but again, the, the thought of, of we're going to take care of love, we're going to, by whose definition? So they're seeking a kingdom and they don't have a definition for it either. No. This is the definition. Well, the definition of the kingdom <clears throat> of the world is seeking. They're being deceived into thinking they're following a path of love and freedom when the scripture says that rather, rather that path is of hatred and enslavement. Right. Exactly. Jesus himself said that he who practices sin is a slave to sin. The context of the law, mm -hmm. which is beautiful, John, is God, before he tells him the law, he, he tells him, this is who I am. Right. I am the one who has redeemed you, has brought you out of the land of slavery. Mm -hmm. I have made you free. Now this is how you stay free. Right. James, in, in the book of James, it calls the law the law of liberty, the law of freedom, mm. because love makes you free. Right. This, this is not God putting you in a headlock saying, you want my murder. This is God saying, listen, the first thing that happened on planet Earth as a result of sin was murder. And it wasn't to enemies. It wasn't to people that couldn't stand mm -hmm. each other. It was two brothers. Mm -hmm. And the issue was worship. So don't think that this is something that happens only to atheists, only to unbelievers. This, this enslavery, enslaving power of sin can cause you to turn upon your wife, your children, yourself. Um, and it makes you a slave of that which distorts your view of reality. Amen. But the law of God helps you see reality for what, it, for what reality is. Mm -hmm. Murder is wrong. Adultery is wrong. Marriage is a beautiful experience. God created us for a monogamous, committed, lifelong relationship. That's love. Right. Love has boundaries. Love, I mean, this idea that's freedom, freedom, freedom. Um, no, freedom has restraints, which seems to be a contradiction, but it is a reality. Mm -hmm. In the broken, sinful world that we have, if you want to have freedom, you need boundaries. Right. Without those boundaries, there is no love. My, my wife has we have freedom in our marriage my wife can pick up my phone look through it she has all my passwords there's nothing hidden from her right but individuals that are not being faithful to their commitments or their promises they're not free <laughs> they're not free no. they're always panicking they're always you know tense you know are my lies going to get uncovered God doesn't want us living that way. Mm -hmm. God doesn't want us worrying, which is what we go back into go back Matthew to chapter right. 6. Mm -hmm. I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry. There's a better way of living than worrying. And that's the way of seeking. Seeking, which in, in a very beautiful sense, John speaks of, Jesus doesn't simply say, seek once and you're done. Right. It's a continual ongoing seeking, mm -hmm. which for me is encouraging because if God was the size of me, I would have figured him out years ago. <clears throat> I'm a pastor. You're an elder. How long have we been studying? How long have we been teaching people about the truths we've been getting? 
And how much do you feel you know God right now? Right, very little. And yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't see me figuring yeah. it out anytime soon. Barely scratching the surface, which instead of being discouraging, is the very opposite. There's more incentive. Wow, I never knew this about the Lord. Wow, I never knew about this about God's character. That's seeking the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Seeking the kingdom is understanding God's character through the revelation of Scripture, so that my heart is moved to a response of gratitude, love, and, and submission, willingly, because I see that he means me no harm. Right. If there's one being that wants me to that wants to see me happy and fulfilled, is God. It's and, Jesus. And and so you're hitting on it because that was going to be my next question. So how you know how do you seek the kingdom of God? I guess that is the question of of this show, really. How do you seek the kingdom of God? And you're talking about it. First, you have to figure out who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to know who he is, and. And I would say, don't take anybody else's word for it. Go to his manual, if you will, right? No, I'm going to go through some verses because my, my brain is busy yep. right now. John chapter 18. This is Jesus before Pilate. And Pilate kind of gets a bit tense now because they've said, you know, he's, he's claiming to be a king. He's claiming to be a king. Mm-hmm. And so Pilate says, are you a king? And Jesus is responding in verse 36 is, my kingdom is not of this world. Mm-hmm. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. So you are a king, says Pilate. And Jesus says, you say correctly that I am a king. For this reason, reason I have been born. And for this, I have come to the world to testify to the truth. Mm. Here's something absolute. Here's something that the world is uncomfortable with. But Jesus links his kingdom with the truth Amen. he came to reveal. Uh, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And you and I know what Pilate asks right after that. Mm-hmm. What is truth? But then walks away. Mm-hmm. He never sticks around never to hear to the hear answer. It. So seeking is not, I mean, Pilate began to seek, but then he stopped. And he stopped at the best part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is truth? Keep going. Don't go back. Stay there. Um, but Jesus inseparably links this element of the truth with this element of the kingdom my kingdom is not of this world therefore the truth that jesus came to speak is speak is not from this world either you will not find truth in the philosophical humanistic centered uh, works of humanity you will not find that you will find entertainment they make sometimes for great movies that you know the, all the the movies that have truly grabbed our attention truly grabbed our imagination are all centered about some kind of truth. But those truths are earthly, human-derived. All of them are, are human-dependent. We save ourselves in the end. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, when Jesus says, I came to testify of the truth, Jesus didn't just come to planet Earth just to explain to us what happens when we die. The truth that he's coming to testify is about what Romans chapter 1 speaks of. We exchange the truth about God for the lie about God. Right. So Jesus came to reveal the truth again, and he's gonna be revealed it most clearly at the cross. So if, you, if you're not sure how to seek for the kingdom, this answer is simple, seek for the king. Right. If you find the king, you found the kingdom, and Jesus claims to be a king. He claims it, mm-hmm. and he opens himself up for examination. So if you're a, a, a listener that has never you know, realized what it means to seek, or if you're not even a, a believer, <clears throat> but you wanna seek, because Jesus says here, you know, Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. 
There are humans that are not satisfied with the answers this world gives. They're seeing the trees from the forest, they're seeing the inconsistencies, but they're getting discouraged. Like you said, the multiplicity of churches that are out there, which one, mm-hmm. right? It's like some fast food chain saying, we got the true burger, right? right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got Checkers, Burger King, McDonald's, who, the, who has the true burger? Well, you, you can seek by opening your Bible and reading four books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm-hmm. Seek for the King in those verses, in those in those books, and your eyes will begin to be opened to the realities that Jesus did not just claim things; He gave evidence for those claims. And you can weigh those evidences out and find them to be logical, reasonable, and beautiful and attractive. Um, this is the, one of the verses that I thought about Jesus speaking about the truth, and I believe it's in John chapter seventeen. <clears throat> Verse 17, where it says, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. So you want to find truth? It's found, Jesus says it's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And Jesus came to testify about the truth, about who God's character, the character of God. You want to seek the kingdom, you will not find it in the newspaper. You will not find it in comic books. You will not find it in novels. Um, you will not find it in biographical works. The only place Jesus points to as having the truth about God and the kingdom of God is in the Bible. And that's, you know, and that is the difference to those who say, well, it's just another work of fantasy. <clears throat> Excuse me, that is the difference. This isn't fantasy. This is the manual to truth, right? Any other book does not have that. You cannot live your life by it, really. And, and it's not, you know, you mentioned about knowledge, about, you know, seeking. Jesus is not simply asking us to say, okay, figure it out. And it's like a mathematical problem. Adeline this week bought a Rubik's cube for Gianna. Mm-hmm. And she accidentally was able to figure out a whole bunch of sides. I don't, she doesn't know how she did it. I don't know how she did it. <laughs> so I took it apart to figure out how she did it. And I wasn't able to put it back together. My daughter fell apart. Oh, you've messed up my <laughs> Rubik's cube. And I'm like, well, honey, you didn't know how you got there. Um, so I went to YouTube, of course. That's where all the answers are. That's right. <laughs> and I found a video that shows you step-by-step step how to unlock the secrets of Rubik's Cube. And I finally figured it out. So now I laid it out. I laid it aside. I figured out how to do a Rubik's Cube next. Mm-hmm. That's not seeking the kingdom of God. Right. Seeking the kingdom of God is having your life transformed. Right. Because Jesus, in Matthew chapter 20, speaking to his own disciples, verse 25 says, You know that the rulers, speaking about kings, the rulers of the Gentiles control control over everybody else. The great men exercise authority over them. It is not that way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Right. Finding the kingdom of God is finding a different heart. So different now you're, you're going into the next part of this then. So you have seeked, you have looked. Okay, well then what does what happens? And like you just said, it changes the it heart. It transforms you. Because those who, again, those who claim that they, they have found God and then they live a different way, they're adding to that problem that we're mm-hmm. talking about. Right? An inconsistent way to the kingdom. Exactly. Which is what you know the church ironically did in the, mid, in the medieval ages sure. when it justified things like just war theory, you know, mm-hmm. the theology of just war. They totally missed Jesus' point when he told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm not interested in whether France expands their boundaries. I'm not interested whether Italy or Rome expands their, their... I'm not interested in the Roman Empire's interests. 
I'm interested in the kingdom of God. I recently, I'm sorry. No, no. I, I recently had a conversation with somebody and, and they said, um, you know, talking about the diff, you know, the things that are happening to America, all those hot button topics. And, and he said, you know, the, you Christian, you know, this is a non-Christian. He says, you Christians need to get, you Christians, you know, fight these problems for us, would you? Uh, uh, you need to get together and con- get all together, which, by the way, there's a movement out there for that. Yeah. Uh, you need to get together and, and fight this war. And I tried to explain to him that the, the, Christi- the Christian warfare looks very different than what you're thinking. Yes. Christian warfare is completely different. We're not worried about the expansion of of the the boundaries or whatever, the borders. Uh we are worried about individuals and it's it's just a completely different thing. You, you know, know? You, you can have slogans and I don't mean at all by any mean political or whatever because I don't subscribe to any Democratic or Republican. You know, I don't have, they're not my religion, let's right. put it that way. Right. I'll summarize it. They're not my saviors. But I, I see how words can become so powerful. You know, the, the slogan, Make a great America Great Again, um, is not speaking about the greatness of character, but the greatness of power, the mm-hmm. greatness of wealth. You know, make America financially great again, a financial is, is stability and yes people come to the united states because it affords a better living better lifestyle etc mm-hmm. um but that's not the gospel right so the, the slogan make america great again is not focusing on make americans humble again make americans generous again right make americans you know self-giving one of the beautiful things that i've seen and it's not an american thing but is a human being responding to the promptings of the spirit when those miners in Chile got trapped, you know, several hundred feet in mm-hmm. that mine, and you had Americans drilling companies footing the whole bill of having equipment shipped all the way down to Chile to help save the lives of these individuals, that's greatness right. in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> in the kingdom of God. Right. In the kingdom of God, but it's not greatness in the political agenda. You know, greatness in the political agenda is having a robust military, a stable economy, which is a secular pursuit. And I'm not downing that, and I'm not. The kingdom of heaven doesn't speak one iota towards that. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is an altogether separate thing. Right. And when we were talking right. about the medieval church, things got tremendously damaging for the Christian church when the Christian church began to marry into the interest of earthly powers. Exactly. The, 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 the earthly kingdom is not compatible with the heavenly kingdom. They have nothing to do with each other. And Jesus never mingled it. That's why he could tell Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world, but my kingdom can reside in the hearts of my servants. Mm -hmm. And until my kingdom visibly becomes part of this world, you will have individuals that embrace a different kind of principle. So if the kingdom is not of this world, the law is not of this world, and the truth that it has is not from this world, meaning everything about it is incompatible. Which means then that if I'm going to be seeking this kingdom, John, I'm going to be seeking to intentionally make myself incompatible with this world. Right. Which brings upon it persecution, Mm -hmm. which is what we talked about in Matthew chapter 5, right? When Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness Mm -hmm. sake, which right now we've already figured out then what, what righteousness is, you know, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, this righteousness and this kingdom will put you and I at odds, whether you live in the United States or Afghanistan or the Ukraine or Australia, New Zealand. 
you will be incompatible anywhere you go in this world. Not because you're antagonistic and obnoxious, mm-hmm. but because you live... Say that part again. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Not because you're antagonistic or an obnoxious Christian, mm-hmm. you know, that wears a big t-shirt that says... I'm right, you're wrong, na 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 na. Right. That's not the, the, the idea of becoming incompatible. Is that you understand the value of human life, you understand the value of every human being. So you're not swayed by political agendas. Jesus could not be pressured into acquiescence and, and agreeing with political powers. Pilate tried to do that with Jesus. Hey, don't you know that I have authority to set you free or to crucify you? Mm-hmm. Jesus says you don't. Right. It's a big delusion. So with all of that on, on our shoulders, at the same time, Jesus is telling us not to worry at the yeah. same time. And it goes back, you know, and and, and you've, you're, you're hitting it. Because your heart is changed, you you don't worry about those those lineups, those, you know, political lineups, financial lineup, whatever they might be. You don't worry about those as much because your goal is so different now. Yes. And part of the kingdom is not simply that you're there, but a desire to bring others into it. And I guess, you know, we kind of jumped the gun to saying, and I may I need to maybe backtrack when I say that, you know, if you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you will immediately experience persecution. That may be the case. But the inverse may be the case as well in that Jesus at the cross caused a Roman centurion to say, this was truly the son of God. Mm-hmm. So it, there may be individuals that are actually are out there desperately seeking for people who have been transformed. Individuals that, though they may see them being pressured at work over Sabbath issues, they're willing to walk away from their jobs because of a belief. Mm-hmm. What kind of a belief leads you to forsake your shelter, your food, not to worry about these things? When I wake up in the morning so worried about these things, how can you be such at peace and be willing to be removed from employment, you know, the way that unemployment is in, in, in this part of the, the, our country, I trust God. I have a heavenly father. Mm. I belong to a different kingdom. And people, I believe, can also be attracted to that because Jesus told Pilate, anyone that is of the truth, hears my voice. And there are individuals that, as you and I choose to be committed kingdom livers, mm-hmm. <laughs> people that live out the principles of the kingdom, by being kind, merciful, compassionate, and living out the law of God in our hearts, you know, worshiping Him, being loyal to Him, not having any other you know, gods before Him, etc. People will notice that this is not how what I have been told about Christians. This is not a Christian. I may have bumped into some obnoxious Christians, but now I'm realizing that it's not all of them. Right. There are those that are loving, are nice, are kind. And I'm actually feeling attracted to that kind of God. I would like to know more about that kind of God. And I believe that is what made Christianity blow up. I was listening to a sermon by Pastor Ron Kelly from the Village Church speaking about early Christianity. And he speaks about how in the, by the time that the Apostle John died in the first century, at the end of the first century, there were maybe 10, 20,000 Christians um, in that part of the world. And by the time of the second century came around, there were about almost 500,000 Christians. Mm. And before the end of the third century, they were in the millions. Wow. They had spread um, exponentially, exponential growth. They didn't have publishing houses, they didn't have TV channels, they didn't have radio stations, they didn't have podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All they had was the law of God in their hearts in a consistent testimony that they, they lived under the principle, my kingdom also is not of this world. 
I am not obsessing about my house, my, my car payments, my upgrades, my clothing. I'm not obsessing about those things. I am actually seeking for something better, something that is unperishable, a kingdom that will never pass away, which is Daniel chapter two, right? That rock that strikes the feet of that statue. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what we're talking about, please contact us. We'll yes, be happy absolutely. To, to explain more about what we're talking about. But in Daniel <clears throat> chapter two, there's a prophecy that ends with this, this human history in summary. And it, presents, it represents all the kingdoms of this world being consumed and blown away with the wind. And then this one kingdom symbolized by the rock covering the entire planet. And that's God's kingdom. And that's what I want to belong in. Right. Not because it, it's, it's established itself on power and authority and, and bigger force, but on the principle of love, the principle of God's law, the principle of God's character. Right. So that kind of summarizes too then why we shouldn't have to worry about tomorrow. Yes. We, we kind of, we, we know. So the end of the story. The end of the story. And uh, we, again, with, with this, with a different heart, with a different outlook, we have this, you don't even, you don't worry about it. You actually just don't even worry about it. After no, that. you learn to surrender. You mm -hmm. learn to surrender because with, with the king and the kingdom, he begins to understand that the words of Jesus in Matthew 28, when he says, all authority has been given to me over heaven and earth. And so you begin to trust that if God allows for things, it is not simply randomness, but rather there is purpose for things that God allows in your life. And if he allows for it, there's a purpose of growing you. He's not punishing. He's not um, delighting in seeing us suffer. But he recognizes that there are still things inside of us that are still clinging to the king kingdoms of this world mm -hmm. in whatever flavors that those may be. And so he allows for things sometimes that are uncomfortable for, for us to recognize I'm still attached. I'm still attached to kingdoms that will pass away. And God doesn't want me to pass away with them. Mm -hmm. God wants me to be wholly connected, wholly committed to a kingdom that will never pass away, that will be given to the saints of the, the Most High, that's Daniel chapter seven. Yes. <laughs> so let's, let's land this plane. You know, what kingdom are you obsessing with? You know, listener, what are your priorities? What have you been putting first? You know, have you been seeking for the kingdom of God by connecting with the king through prayer? Have you been seeking to connect and understand who this king is through the written testimony he's left for you. We want to appeal to you. Make your devotional life a priority. That's how you'll get to know the king and belong to his kingdom.